No matter in life what you try to do, you're dead too. Hello, and welcome to You're Dead Too, the podcast about our shared inevitable demise. I am your host, John Toyson, and joining me again this week on the program is nobody. I'm going to continue my deep dive into funerals, what they are, why we do them, how we do them, and all the things pertinent to them by talking about caskets this week. Um, in talking about them, we'll get into the the uh, <laughs> the clarification of why caskets and not coffins. Why have I been bouncing from one word to the other over the course of 40 episodes here looking back? And uh, basically, the ins and outs of caskets, no pun intended, what, uh, what you need to know about them and what can help with uh, making that decision about them because it's a lot of unique parameters in coming to this uh this issue, so it's not just something that you, you know, politely stumble upon in uh, the happenstance of your life, unless you're like me and want to go looking for some answers. Um, but before we get into all that, just a couple things at the top, real quick. One is obviously I want to apologize right off the bat for the sound of my voice. I'm still fighting whatever it is that um, my kiddo has brought home from daycare. I'm uh, I'm just unable to shake this, so my apologies for sounding as nasal as I do. I'm sufficiently doped up and uh drugged up and i'm i do not enjoy uh cold medication it just makes me feel gross and awful and uh, a little loopy and out of my head so please bear with me my apologies i will do my best to (laughs) you know uh be the best mouth breather i can um beyond that i've got some fun things lined up for the future this will not be the um you know, the permanent ongoing state of the podcast doing this deep dive into funerals. So I've got some other stuff in the works here, but um, I do plan on wrapping this up eventually in the short term and then moving on to some other things. But I want to thank everybody for sticking with me on this deep dive into funerals because it's really helped me understand the entire practice and what we're dealing with here. Because again, unless you're actually wanting to very intentionally dig into this, you're not going to necessarily stumble across this information in the course of your natural life. Um, unless you're really surrounded by death. And in that case, you've probably got more wisdom to share on it than I have here to impart. So uh, as always, thank you for listening. If you do have thoughts, questions, comments, concerns, criticisms, please uh, feel free to let me know. I'm open to feedback. Uh, You can send an email to yourdeadto at gmail.com or find me on Twitter or Instagram at yourdead2, Y-O-U-R-E-D-E-A-D-T-O-O. I will uh, do my best to engage and respond accordingly, but happy to hear whatever kind of feedback or insight you've got, because frankly, I don't necessarily want this to be a one-way street. I want to be able to engage with the audience here and make sure that I'm giving you the best, um, you know, version of this that I can, because, yeah, sure, selfishly, this is my own journey through this, but I want to make sure that I'm imparting this in the best way that I can for the audience because, you know, I'm not, like, if I wanted to just talk to myself about this, I would just talk to myself about this. I it would be, you know, in my car yelling at myself about caskets driving down the road as opposed to talking to a microphone and putting it on the internet and letting people hear it. There's a reason for that. So, uh, it's fall here. Rather, we're getting into winter. We've had our first snow in Minnesota. It's not a terrible consequence yet, but it's happening. I was saying to my better half last night, this is just kind of the worst time of year, uh, sandwiched between the best times of year. I absolutely adore Halloween, and Christmas is just really fun for me and uh, people in my life because my wife is a huge Christmas... uh, (laughs) What are you... uh, Aficionado? Christmas head? No, um... 
I don't know. It's just it's fun. It feels like it's a little bit of magical time of year, and it just those are the few times in adulthood when whimsy and you know something ethereal and kind of strange still happen. That it just it feels different. There's something in the air, and there's special music for the occasion, and special food and beverage, and you know you can kind of get that with like Fourth of July maybe in America or like I don't know summertime vibes, but like you, it's very specific stuff that's. Uh, you know, sequential to or consequential to time of year. So it's it's a fun time coming up. But man, it, this particular time of year, everything is gray and dead. All the leaves are off the trees, and it's just perpetually overcast. And it just like looking back, it feels like my whole childhood. If it's not a bright summer day or a thunderstorm, it's just gray, overcast skies of Wisconsin where I grew up, and just the horizon is all one blended thing together where it's just dirty snow on the ground and then gray clouds in the sky. It just is hard to feel optimistic about it. So uh, the good thing is Thanksgiving's coming up, and that's, uh, you know, a big cultural zeitgeist thing to get together with family and have a big meal and do a big thing and do some travel and... uh, kind of kick off the holiday season but just man the weeks between halloween and thanksgiving are rough and just kind of it feels like the doldrums so not to put everybody in a bad mood let's just dive right into this and talk about caskets as opposed to coffins what the deal is and let's dig in so let's put the fun back in funeral and I'm going to keep saying that until I'm done with the funeral series here. My apologies for the insistence on terrible puns. But looking at caskets, and why do we say casket instead of coffin? So when I started doing this podcast, I didn't know what the difference or distinction was. I really thought it came down to just uh, what is more modern or respectable, and I didn't really know the etymology of the word, which, uh, you know, digging into it now, I'm a little chagrined at getting this far without realizing what I was talking about but that's kind of the whole point of this is just finding out more and learning so that when the time comes I'm not caught with my pants down cosmically that I kind of know what I'm getting into um casket as opposed to coffin so yeah we used to be buried in coffins typically now people are buried in caskets the difference is well (laughs) basically the shape uh, coffins are typically six-sided, sometimes eight-sided if there's a lot of cuts to it, but uh, caskets are basically a big rectangle. That's really what it comes down to. That's the long and short of it, is that coffins actually tend to taper down towards the feet from the shoulders. Uh, occasionally they would actually taper up towards the head as well, but um, a casket is actually just a rectangular box. Whatever it's made out of, it's just the four sides. That's it. That's really the distinction. Um, it really comes down to a shift in cultural value on um, a phrase that I stumbled upon, which was the beautification of death uh, brought about by the Civil War. But let's kind of uh, take a step back and figure out exactly what's going on here. So looking at the roots of the words for coffin, it, it goes back to the Latin word uh, cofinus or coffinus, which means basket. So C-O-P-H-I-N-U-S, basket coffinus, um, which made its way through the Germanic and French language into coffin, C-O-F-I-N, and you can probably hear how (laughs) under the weather I am there, coffin, I can't really do my nasal French uh, pronunciation that I'd like to do, C-O-F-I-N, which means uh, little box, 
combined or you know meshed with the word coffer in uh, more recent English led to the word coffin. So basically, box or little box for containing something, uh, containing an offering. Um, so that was the origin of the word coffin. Whereas casket has more of a uh, ornamental or like jewelry connotation to it something that's supposed to contain something special it's not as utilitarian as coffin uh there's definitely definitely there's in my own experience there's more of an association with coffins with the spooky kind of stuff of like horror movies and haunted house decorations of having a coffin where that's uh that's what you see more in kind of that pop culture lexicon of something morbid. And actually, I want to give a quick shout out to the Morbid Minute on YouTube for doing a breakdown of what is uh, this difference here. They have a short three-minute video really breaking down in even more concise language, if you've got time to watch it, uh, the difference between coffins and caskets. And the host, whose name escapes me at the moment, my apologies, talked about going to a funeral home in Australia where they had coffins lined up in their storage facilities and it felt like going to Dracula's <laughs> lair because you don't typically see a multitude of coffins in modern American uh, practice. You know, it's it's more often we use caskets, although there are definitely people that prefer one over the other, and we can get to that in a bit too. But So in conventional funeral practice, people are buried in caskets. It doesn't have to happen. You're not required to actually be buried in something in the majority of states. You can definitely rent a casket to convey you from point A to point B and be placed in the ground wrapped in a burial shroud or a winding sheet, which is actually what used to commonly happen. Up until the 1700s, uh, coffins were actually really only common for the wealthy in society. It was not something that often happened for people of normal socioeconomic standing or, you know, down below the poverty line. It was really just a matter of having the funeral and then transporting people in a, um, a parish coffin. So basically like the same one that they would use over and over again to transport you from the church to the cemetery and then bury you in your burial shroud. You know, literally just a cloth or tarp wrapped around the body and the person is interred in the ground, which is a very natural, you know, there's not much barrier there between yourself and the earth. As uh, culture progressed, which, I mean, that's a loaded assumption there. As time marched on, I will say, in Western culture, as the practice came over the sea to the colonies in America, with the occurrence of the Civil War, it was such a violent and horrific war. Um, and as a quick aside here, it's it's worth noting that the Civil War really was incredibly, incredibly violent and destroyed entire communities and families. It was not just as simple as the North versus the South. There were just, it just ravaged the population of America. When you fight a civil war, it is literally one part of the population of a country versus another. You are tearing people apart. And warfare at that time was just advanced enough to 
really be a violent, destructive act. And there was also the practice of total warfare, which involved um, not just shooting the enemy, you know, shooting, attacking, killing the enemy combatants, but then also destroying all of the supplies and all of the landscape behind the enemy. So not just people being attacked, but homesteads being destroyed and communities being destroyed. So it was just this really, it brought this horrible push of violence and not offensive, well, I mean, yeah, offensiveness to an extent, but like it really brought to, it really showed in the public's mind the idea of just how horrific and violent death was, that it was not this simple peaceful passing in the night kind of a notion it was catastrophic and it was terrible and people did not survive and as a result there was this cultural push to defy death or to embrace the beautification of death was the phrase that i discovered um to make it more of a stately ornamental romantic affair almost um by distancing ourselves from the violence and wanting to get away from the physical morbidity of it, there was this cultural movement away from the hexagonal shaping of the coffin, you know, moving away from this thing that is specifically designed to be anthropometric, which means uh, in the shape of a human, to something that is more utilitarian or um, ornamental, which is the casket. So there was this push to actually get away from not just the reminder of what happens to the physical body, but just to get away from the the act or um, the practice of putting somebody in something that makes them feel, or the, the observers would feel that it was not this morbid, profane reminder of there's a dead body in here. It's the idea that it's a respectful, uh, reverent resting place and that it's a, it's a, uh, a vessel to be placed in the ground and that it's not you know, person-shaped. So as that trend continued and we moved away from that kind of, forgive the phrase, bare-bones practicality towards it, people moved towards the more ornamental casket. And there was some transitional time where you can see um, artist interpretations of uh, Ulysses S. Grant, his uh, funeral casket was still vaguely coffin-shaped, but it was n- more angled at the top towards his head and shoulders than it was at the bottom towards his feet. So it was still kind of that stately box frame shape, but it was not as much tapered down, to- down towards the legs. It was more up towards the head. So this was still transitioning. It was still happening. Um, and you still see it today where there are very... Uh, unique stylized customized caskets and uh burial um vessels which you know that could be a whole separate episode talking about the idiosyncrasies of people's unique um ways of burying themselves i don't want to be um irreverent here disrespectful but that's a whole separate set of issues to go into but as this happened there uh you know, these standards and this industry kind of built up around this where there are, frankly, 
kind of, <laughs> this is what I want to dig into. This is why it's interesting to me to find out what happens with all this, because unless you encounter this on your own, you don't necessarily know what goes on with this. So what often happens with people is a family member dies, and in working with their local um, parish or com- you know religious community, they work with a funeral home to have the person prepared for burial and uh, a coffin. Now, see, that's what happens. I'm just, I'm lapsing back into that. A casket is selected and uh, the person is either displayed or um, put lying out in state uh, for a ceremony or service and then interred in the ground or a mausoleum or a tomb. But the act of acquiring the casket is done typically through the funeral home and there's this kind of unspoken assumption that that's how it has to be done by course of consequence that that's just what happens like where else would you get one well i mean there are other places that sell caskets not just funeral homes there are uh, major casket retailers that sell them they're also available in places like Walmart and Costco. And it's always, when I've encountered that in my own life, it's always kind of that shocked kind of, oh my God, why are they doing that? That's, wait, what? You know, that it's it's so perplexing that when you encounter it, you kind of short out a little bit and think, well, why, wait, wait, what, how, how did we get to this point here? But like anything else, it's a commodity in America. This is a, for better or for worse right now, it's a capital country, capitalist country that this is, what happens there's a service there's a uh, a good that needs to be sold from one person to another and there's a company that will step in and fulfill that need so you can go to a company and buy a casket and have it delivered to the funeral home independent of the funeral home and they will just incorporate that in their process of whether or not they're involving a person or what they're going to be doing but basically you don't have to go to the funeral home and again, all of this comes with the caveat that I'm not um, assuaging in any way the funeral home business. I would love to talk to people from the industry if they would uh, want to reach out. I am certainly intending to reach out to them, but I'm extremely hesitant because, again, I want to be respectful and not seen as some crass, weird, capital D, capital P, death pervert reaching out and asking all these morbid questions about what happens about this. Like, no, I really, I'm, I'm curious about these things and genuinely fascinated, but I want to approach this in a way that's not um, insulting or disrespectful. So, <laughs> so right into the email. You're dead too at Gmail. Um, but... Again, there's this unspoken assumption that you have to go through the funeral home. You don't have to. You can certainly go through uh, any authorized, legal, uh, Federal Trade Commission sanctioned company. Um, And according to the FCC, (laughs) no, according to the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, you can buy your own casket and have it delivered to the funeral home. Uh, Oftentimes, though, in that scenario, the funeral home will take the position of we will accept delivery, but we take no responsibility for the condition of the casket once it is delivered to us. Basically, if it's in any way damaged in shipping, that's not on the funeral home, which I can certainly understand that, that it's not due to who holds liability. They're not going to be the ones responsible for that. Um, Cost-wise, I did talk about this a bit in the um, 
initial entry into funeral practices, or I guess it was episode um, part two of the funeral practices episodes where I talked about costs. This is really the most expensive part of the funeral process. Typically, it's anywhere from 500 up to and above $20,000, depending what you're doing. I did do some snooping and sleuthing and saw that Michael Jackson's uh, casket was in the $30,000 range, so that gives you an idea of um, what kind of person would hit that tipping point on the scale of economy. You know, I not to say anybody... See, that's the difficult thing about this is I, I, I want to be as egalitarian as possible without making assumptions about people. But, you know, you can make whatever choices you'd like, but going beyond a certain dollar amount, that's that's where you're hitting that level of wealth and notoriety of like, well, what kind of a person spends over $20,000 on a, on a casket? Well, okay, Michael Jackson, that's, that's one. Um, just to give you some context for who spends at what level. Um, but... That also being said, he was notoriously a huge spender in his later life and may not have been in the best economic standing. So maybe that's all a moot point. I don't know. Uh, write in and let me know. Tell me how wrong I am. That's what the internet's for, right? Um, so it can be expensive. What are you paying for? You're paying for a box to be put into to likely be put in the ground or a tomb or uh, potentially cremated with you doesn't have to be that same one it can certainly be a different one or you know a simple pine box um if you go on amazon you can actually not just buy the actual coffin or casket that god damn it see that's (laughs) i'm just as bad about this as i would want you know that it's hard to get out of that habit if you look up caskets they're for sale on amazon just like with walmart or costco there wherever you find american business you're going to find caskets for sale um so similarly you can get a simple straightforward pine box that's 500 dollars, and then um have it shipped and if you've got prime you can get free shipping i was uh snapping with my friend alex about this former guest on the podcast alex lair hello alex uh she (laughs) pointed out yeah free shipping like i have a body i've got to do something with it but i am not paying for shipping for this uh that's that's the world that we live in now. So when it comes to what you're paying for, they can be made of a number of different things. Wood, steel, laminate, uh, you know, polished woods of different type that it, it really it comes down to what you want to put the person that you're having a funeral for in, which this is where we hit that kind of uncomfortable gray area of what are we paying for exactly? And this is where the um, unsavory nature of predatory spending comes into play. That this is when I've treaded lightly around the notion of funeral homes and what people are paying for, there's the... uh, what people have deemed some kind of predatory, um, not predatory, but just getting people to spend when they're at their most emotionally cathartic, this is a potential 
consequence of that, that people will be somehow guilted into spending more money on a box that they're never going to see, frankly. Um, I don't think funeral homes are doing that as a large-scale practice, and certainly not intentionally. It's definitely a possibility that there will always be people who will see an opportunity and you know, seize upon it, but that's not necessarily the case in every circumstance. So um, all apologies aside, what I'm driving at is there's this kind of there's this unusual choice that has to be made of what would the person want what would their wishes be or do you go by your own judgment call of what that would be like if you haven't had this conversation in in advance how are you supposed to know or make an assumption of what somebody would want to be in you know there are certainly people that would have this conversation and be very upfront and forthright about it and say, no, 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 don't waste any expense on it. Just, I'm, you know, I'm not there. It's not for me. It's for you. And just put me in X, Y, Z and put me in the ground that it's, it's really up to the individual in the circumstance. But it's also the, it's worth noting that the funeral is not for the dead necessarily. It's for those who are surviving and to pay respect and pay homage. So if you want them to have a nice ornate, uh, grand casket, that's, that's just fine. That's up to you, and that's up to the individual circumstance. So really, the idea is it's a vessel. It's a container to put a person in. Typically, there is either a half couch or full couch opening, which means basically either it opens up kind of mid-torso, so you can see the person's head, shoulders, and uh, upper torso, and you know pay your last respects, or it opens all the way up, and you can see... Uh, the person head to toe and, you know, have them be fully visible and, you know, there to say goodbye to. Um, but there's so many parameters and idiosyncrasies around that of, you know, embalming and um, what the condition of the person who passed away is in. Like, if they can have an open casket, there's a whole set of circumstances around that as well. Beyond that, um, you know, the the opening mechanisms of it it's really just a matter of ornamentation and then how accommodating the interior needs to be. If, it, if you want it all, you know, velvet and satin and nice pillowy comfort, you know, like some people make no bones about it. Again, sorry for the phrase, but it's your final resting place, but you're not there to experience it. So who cares if it's super comfy or not? But again, I, I can completely understand the flip side, which is put them in something comfortable, put them, you know, it needs to be your final resting place. Put it, put somebody in something that needs to be comfy and cozy and accommodating and warm and accepting. Um, so it really, it, it is just a matter of what you would like that to be inside. It can be as expensive and ornate as you would like it to be, but there's frankly, (laughs) there's frankly a practical reality to this where we need to be considering what the budget for the circumstance is, if there is insurance to cover it, or if there's an estate to cover it, or what happens. This is These issues come up, and it's at a time when you're going through something that is incredibly heavy and difficult to deal with that people don't often make these decisions in the right mindset, so that's why it's worth digging into this stuff. Oh, God, ew, I can't stop doing this. I'm sorry. Uh, it's worth examining these issues so that you're a little more prepared for them. Uh, then again, I am fully willing to cop to the fact that I laughed really hard when I saw somebody on Amazon. First of all, 
going to Amazon and looking at caskets, you're going to screw up your um, search history. So I should apologize to my wife right now for uh, screwing up all of our metrics on Amazon by looking up the stuff on my actual, factual, normal, daily Amazon account. And now in our suggested viewing, there's going to be all sorts of weird stuff. So, honey, I'm very sorry. Uh, you can certainly come on the podcast anytime and <laughs> read me the riot act for doing that. But uh, there is an Amazon's choice, like their best seller, their most popular product. It's on there. You can do it. And there are customer reviews for it. And I will have to say, I... I laughed really hard at the person who answered the question, how many people can you fit in this casket? And their answer was, well, three skinny old people I got in here. Like, okay, that person props for seeing humor in the circumstance and not, uh, and not holding back because God damn, that is, that was primo that was good that was i got a good laugh out of that seeing some of the questions and reviews on it it really it makes me happy to know that it's not always darkness and it's not always negativity somebody's always there to make a joke and that there's always levity to be found i understand that people can take offense to that but sometimes a good laugh is really all you have against the darkness but so they're there on Amazon. You can certainly find that. You can also find a really cheap pine box that you can have shipped. It's, like I said, you can run the gamut from really reasonable and inexpensive to incredibly exorbitant and absurdly expensive. You can bury somebody in a car, you know? I mean, it's happened before, but again, this is not, that's not what we're talking about here today. Um, there are things like rubber gaskets that are supposed to seal in the caskets and uh, protect people from the outside elements, and I can certainly see the reasoning there for it but again it it has more to do with your mindset of what's happening to your loved ones and what the process actually is when they pass away because if the idea is to keep them undisturbed from the outside world I can again I can understand that but frankly they're not there anymore and the body will decompose whether or not it's sealed in the casket or not um if it's sealed in, it creates a different environment than if it's unsealed and air is allowed to, you know, move into the casket. Similarly to the way I talked about in burial at sea, that if you drill holes, that this is just this is what happens: is you change the circumstance and different things will happen to the body. And it's not this is an inevitability. This this machine, this this biological component fails eventually. It breaks down, and this is ashes to ashes, dust to dust, it will eventually no longer be. So it's just kind of a matter of, do you want to keep it in a, you know, hermetically sealed box? Or do you want something more on the sliding scale of a natural, put me in a burial shroud in the ground and just let the earth reclaim me? It's really, it's again up to the individual and I don't want to make, uh, I don't want to pass judgment on anybody for that. So we talked about Amazon, uh, Walmart is another big retailer for coffins, caskets. God damn it, see? Keep doing it. Caskets. Uh, Walmart, they're in the casket business. They do it. They sell them because, frankly, it's something that happens. They, you know, one of the things I've learned about life in American capitalism is that if it exists, there is a way to monetize it. And I think back to when I was in college and somebody told me that, um, so I live in Minnesota, which is home to the Mall of America, which I can tell you with no uncertainty, it's just a it's just a mall. There's nothing really special about it. It's it it's a mall. It's a big one. 
it's not even the biggest one in the world anymore. It at one point was notorious for being the largest mall in America. You know, back at a time when you couldn't get weird stuff everywhere, it was unique. But now with, again, the advent of Amazon and uh, online shopping, it kind of, the, the point of it, really, it's not... I don't want to get in a soapbox here about the Mall of America, but uh, the point is, when I was in college, it was pointed out in some of my uh, economics classes that you could live your entire life there, you, everything. You could be born there in their medical facilities, and you could be educated in daycare facilities that they have there, and you could go through your entire life and you know be married and deliver children and die and purchase funeral services and goods at the Mall of America. I don't know if that's actually the case anymore. I think the most recent time I was there to <laughs> walk laps around the interior of it like the old person that I am, I don't recall seeing anything like that. Although if there was a Sears at the time, they may have been able to sell caskets. I don't recall offhand if they were, but um, that's American capitalism. That's how we operate in this country is that if there's a way to monetize it, you can do it. So as I was saying, Walmart does it. It's not out of some sick morbidity of how dare they do... No, it's just, it's because they also sell guns and cigarettes. Like, yeah, there's money to be made. They're not going to turn a moral nose up at, well, there's a dollar to be had, so you know somebody else is going to come in and undercut it. Why not just take the opportunity and do so? Fill the void. It's an opportunity. Take advantage of it, not in a callous, gross way, but in a simple business practicality way. Uh, Costco, the joke I always heard about them selling caskets was you buy them in bulk. Like, so for a mass tragedy, you go to Costco and get 12 caskets for the price of 10, or you need to get a case discount on them. Um, and even if you go to the Costco website, they say <laughs> under their question and answer section, why are you doing this? And the answer is just a really short and terse, because we're offering the service to our clients. And I kind of love that. It's just... Why? How dare you? Like the pearl clutching notion of what? Why would you sell caskets? Well, be, because people need them. Don't act like this doesn't happen. This happens. We need them. So it's just, it's an, it's a fascinating aspect to this part of society that I just, it, it has to happen. So, I really, I hope this hasn't come across as too crass or that I've just, it's honestly probably the cold medication doing this to me, but uh, it's a practicality to it. It's just, it's a matter of you have to choose a vessel of some kind. You can also, I mean, I don't know if I'll do a whole deep dive on urns, but there are urns that you can buy, you know, customizable, highly uh, customizable that you can have whatever printed on them and have them displayed a certain way. Like if there's a way to do it, it can be done. So there has to be a choice made. And this is what happens. We just, we set up the circumstances to do it and you can make the choice or you can uh, not be part of the process and not be uh, a participant in the system and go about it your own way. But really it comes down to how much you want to examine this before you become part of the process. So most people aren't going to find out about this until they have to. So I, I do think it's worth at least just briefly reading over some of this information to find out about it. But also it's just, it's kind of a fascinating rabbit hole to go down on the internet of uh, what's out there. What can you buy for this kind of price? And you can get it shipped to you in two days or less. Um, 
And it's worth noting too, if you don't want to do this, if you don't want to participate, you can build your own. It's completely legal and uh, certainly dependent on the regulation and authority of the state that you're living in or the country that you're living in to, uh, you know, if you can have whatever delivered to the funeral home, you can also just build your own casket and have that be used in the process as well. It can be as ornate or simple as you'd like. Um, there are plans that you can look up online and similar to the weirdness of finding things on Amazon, you can go on Pinterest. I saw funeral or um, casket plans on Pinterest that you can pin to your board and save and it you know lays out the full diagram for how to cut different lengths of wood and hinge them together and buy this kit for $50 for the hinge pieces it like it's it's all there it's all possible there's a great king of the hill episode about uh, Hank and Peggy building their own caskets and Hank of course takes it to an absurd length of customization and pride in his work as a uh, master craftsman I'll tell you what but it's really it's a fascinating part of life and death that we just, unless we're faced with it, unless we choose to look at this thing head on, we're not going to encounter it and have any interaction with it. So it's a whole, it's why I want to do this in the first place. It's it's turning over the rock to seeing what's underneath there. It's really, it's inevitable for everybody. So why not at least take a look and be prepared and find out? So, uh, Again, my apologies if I've seemed uh, a bit out of it. It's <laughs> the joys of Dayquil and Sudafed and a head full of just, ugh, I'm, my apologies. But uh, hopefully this has been elucidating for those of you who are kind enough to listen. And uh, if you've got questions, comments, thoughts, feedback, please let me know. Write in yourdeadto at gmail.com or find me on Twitter and Instagram. Happy to answer questions and uh, do whatever we can. Otherwise, thank you for listening, and I will talk again next week. Mm-hmm.